It's the Just Go With It podcast with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. If you have a suggestion for the Just Go With It podcast, a topic, or anything else, email us at gowithitpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Wow, I hated that. I really what? did not like that. <laughs> for those of you who are watching this on video, it's especially maybe audio wise, it's not that bad. But the way that went on video was rough. <laughs> I did not. What didn't you like? That was a Everything. tour de force. It was just somehow while being a real human, you entered the uncanny valley. I don't know exactly know how you did it, Thank but you. you managed to do it. And I didn't like it. I didn't. I often feel like my job in any podcast we're on is to derail the podcast. I decided to start at the very beginning this time, even before you had spoken. And I feel like I was at least somewhat succeeded and it feels great. Yeah. You're feeling a little, a, a little rough today. You want to, you want to kick me too, make me feel bad. Is that what's going on? If you are so easily affected, then I, you know, you give away your power, son. <laughs> yeah, Oprah <laughs> says you you teach people how to treat you, you know. So sure, that's something something to learn that's from. That's true. Thank that's you, Oprah. Fair. I like that. Uh, I want to get more to a, the topic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get there by talking about this podcast. How good do you think this podcast is, Jonathan? On uh, is there any particular way I'm deciding this, or I can like say as, anything? As I far want. as uh, of the podcasts that are out there that have more than. 10 episodes in the world. Where does it rank percentile wise as far as just okay. subjectively good in your mind? I would guess it's probably in the top 7%, 8%, something like that. Okay. And what about our other podcast, the breakdown poker podcast? Where does that rank among poker podcasts in your mind? Um, in fairness, I don't really listen to the other poker podcasts very much. So it's a little harder to say, but I would say it's probably, I mean, it's a little unfair, it's something that I'm going to enjoy listening to anyway, but I would say it's in the top 5%. Okay. I would, I would agree with those things. You've written a couple movies. We're in the midst yeah. of writing a movie together over the course of many, many years. It's taking a yes. long time with ons That's and offs. Okay. It's a process. Do you, man. Think, do you think the scripts that you've written are worthy of being produced? Do you think they're good? Um, I do. I, I, okay. I th yeah, I mean, I think they would need to be worked on, of course, and rewritten and gone through whatever process you'd go through, but I do, yes. You used to be an autism expert, you still are, where you would go help families with children with autism. Yeah. How good were you at that job compared to other people who did that job? When you say that, do you mean compared to other people who just help people with autism or people who did it the specific way I did it? The same training as you and everything. Oh, okay. Um, I would say I was like, eh, mediocre. I was okay. probably like 50th percentile. Good. Cool. Um, the point I want to make here, and it's not like I'm different than you, but I want to, I want to ask the question, how objective can, can a person really be like over time about small stuff, but also on major issues like politics and everything, but even just little stuff like daily stuff, mm -hmm. like, like when I was running, I was doing better form than the guy next to me or something like that type of thing. Like, do you think objectivity is attainable for humans in general and in particular in modern society? I mean, I think objectivity is entirely attainable as long as we're not trying to be objective about ourselves, right? About anything yeah. that we are participating in. As soon as any kind of 
thing that we are a part of or we have an agenda about or we care about, we're biased about in any way, then it's not going to be objective, right? So yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Like I think those things about myself, I bet you if you asked my mother, she would genuinely tell you that she believes even I was even better than the things I said. Sure. About, yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's and a... she wouldn't and she wouldn't say that like not meaning it. She would actually mean it. Right. But I don't think that means that she's right just because she means it, you know, either. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, from the other side of that, I have a near three year old daughter and not with any intent or anything, but I like my my baseline thought without any understanding or expertise or knowledge of other children is that she's advanced. She's probably pretty advanced for her age. Mm. You know, I just like, I just automatically think that because of the things that she does. And I have no idea what a 2.9 year old is supposed to be like, but I'm like, you know what? That's advanced for sure. Like, I mean, I, do a lot of people tell it. you that? Like there are people uh, who interact with her. Do they say, wow, she's so advanced. We have heard that from people at school, but like that's people at school who are trying to like keep us happy too. In a way we mm. pay the school. It's yeah. It's a daycare. So it's a little bit questionable, yeah. I guess. Right. Slightly it's not like objective. The, it's not like I'm at the playground and another parent is swinging next to my kid. And they're like, your kid swings like a fucking maestro. That is yeah. amazing. I can't the believe. Last time I, I cannot believe I saw, that that kid swings like that at age 2.9. Last time I, I saw believe a 2.9 year old eat chicken nuggies like that. It was Einstein. Yeah, I can't. I, yeah. And trust me, I'm a, I'm an expert on genius. And so I understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so I think it's very hard to be objective in your personal life. I think it it can extend to other things. Um non-serious things like sports, which I guess can become serious things, you know, like referees have been killed in South America because of calls in soccer matches. So it can it can get pretty serious. Uh I I wonder if a lack of objectivity could lead to that. Um but you know, like do you think do you think you're objective about the Boston Celtics, your favorite sports team? I think I'm more objective than the average Celtics fan and the average sports fan is about their team, but I don't think I'm objective. I agree with that based on having spoken with you. And I work hard to try and lean in those directions, but I yeah. acknowledge that I probably can't do it perfectly well. I will say this as a, as a really quick story. I remember, um, so my car got stolen in what, like 2015 and I had to get a new car and I bought, I bought a car and I thought it was like pretty sweet, you know. Oh, I remember, I remember this. I was like, this look at that stuff. car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is that is a pretty sweet car. Look how awesome that car looks and all that. And then I remember I was at your home and I looked out the window and our two cars were right next to each other. And you have a this is fair to say, right? An unexciting car to look at. Is that fair to say? I have There's a nothing? two. Well, I actually, I got a new car since you. Oh, you did? Okay. Out. You had, yeah. though, what was it, like a yeah. 2008 Prius or something? Right? 2006 Prius with a dent in it. Yeah. Which and was I saw our... once every two years or so. Yeah. So our cars were next to each park, next to each other on the street. And I saw them and I realized that our cars looked much more similar to each other than they did different. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not special <laughs> at all. That's not a sporty yeah. looking car. I don't have a sporty looking car at all. I thought it was sporty. It's not sporty. And it was it was like a real moment of like I was just lying to myself, I guess. You know, I just was deciding to love the yeah. thing that I had. Uh much the right. way you would look at your daughter and decide that she is advanced. I looked at my car and decided it was sporty in 
you know, in the face of all refute, you know, evidence to the contrary, this is about my car, not about your daughter, to be clear. Um, and then I finally was like, couldn't help but see that it really looked way too much like a 2006 Prius for me to tell myself that lie any longer. <laughs> well, it was good that you had that moment of realization, perhaps. Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe you would yeah, be Yeah, why is that good? How does that help me? Yeah, I guess it doesn't help you. But I mean, you, you're I, not... You you don't now think for some reason that a 2012 Kia is the epitome of cars, so that's good. <laughs> I literally went. I literally went. I had just got in the car like the day before, and I went on a first date with um really attractive woman, and I liked and her. How a lot. objectively attractive was she, though? How objectively attractive? In my opinion, she was very attractive. Okay. And uh, and I remember at one point I was like. I think I don't know if I pointed out my car to her or but like she could see that was my car and I was like, Oh man, she must be impressed by that. <laughs> like looking <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like that's the level of delusion that I had around that car. To be clear, you have like a twenty fourteen Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> <laughs> like the lowest level it, one with it's nothing red. advanced. It's red. <laughs> so it looks a little <laughs> yeah. It costs you like eleven thousand dollars or something. Exactly like eleven thousand dollars. I yeah. paid in cash. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Oh well that, that, that is that is an impressive level of self deception, <laughs> which is a really big piece of being objective, is like Avoiding self-deception, and I'm not claiming to be objective. I'm certainly not. Um, you know, my favorite sports team is the Portland Trailblazers, and I'm, I, th- I like you, try to be more objective than the average fan, but I don't think I'm fully objective. You know, I think it's yeah. tough. I, I would, for those who know sports, I was saying for the past ten years, I, I thought Damian Lillard was the most exciting player to watch in the NBA, and I genuinely believed that. And I still, I think I, I, I really did believe that, but I might not have believed that had I not lived in Portland and been a, a Blazers fan. I'm not sure, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I think, I think you like, like everyone has a, some level of reality distortion field around them for sure. Like you often believe uh, things that we might try are going to be successful, even in the face of what I often feel is really strong evidence that they won't be. Um, I can think of some examples. I don't have to get into them right now. Um, I remember there was one point when I was claiming there was a member of the Celtics who was more popular in Boston then Lillard was in Portland, and I lived in Portland at the time and was a Celtics fan. And you told me I was an idiot and a fool and all these things. And I was like, but I'm in touch with both fan bases. You have no idea what the Boston fan base feels about this guy. And you refused to even listen to it or think it was reasonable that I might know something more about it than you did. You I, know? And I still hate this example, and I still think you're totally I know. wrong. Yeah. But you still also don't have any sense of how popular Isaiah Thomas was at that time in Boston, right? You just uh, did, it, just didn't know, and you still decided you were right. All right, correct. As a quick aside, no, but you also really had no uh, idea how. Excuse me, one <laughs> second. You also really didn't know how popular Lillard was in Portland because the real way you're getting this information is through internet forums and stuff, and you weren't even close to you weren't sniffing Portland internet forums. Like you have no sense of it. Do you the have any real idea? Way I get like this you were you were learning this from internet forums, right? And the way people talked about him on internet forums, I would Who? guess for I, Isaiah Who? Thomas. Um, among Boston. many things, but sure. What what would be the other things? 
Well, if you recall, I was doing a Boston Celtics podcast back then, so I talked to many Boston Celtics people who watched the games. We had fans who were part of it who, like, Yeah, people who were into it enough to be on a Boston Celtics podcast, yeah. Or, like, you know, listen to it and write in and stuff like that. There's a, obviously... I was also reading all the media about it, not just internet forums, but, you know, actual media, you know, the sports media. But you like, weren't. Well, I don't know. Any, I don't really know what you're talking about. When you weren't looking at any game. of the equivalent Trailblazers things, right? I mean, I lived in Portland and talked to that's people. Not the, that's all not the, the same time. thing. It's not the same thing at all. Not everybody's a basketball fan. But, you were but, in, in. But this wasn't your point. No. Then was it? It's not your point. Your but, point was just I must be wrong. Period. That was your point. Because you didn't. Because you had about, no sense. You didn't even ask me this question when you told me I was an idiot and a fool. You just I said I was wrong and made fun of me for it and continued. I did. To you're that. you're rewriting history in an unobjective way, and this is such a perfect example of the whole thing. This is this is a perfect oh. example of the whole thing. Is what we're both yeah. doing right now. We're both probably wrong, right? Like it's hard to it's know. Very, I mean, it was years ago. Who really knows? Yeah. We just know. Yeah. I just know my general flavor of what happened. You have your general flavor of what happened. I fill in the blanks. Besides that, I, I really I love that do. you brought. I love that you brought that example up because that is us like standing our ground on a thing that neither of us can truly know the answer about. There's no way and to know the answer to that. Well, maybe there completely, is. Completely. I mean, it's you'd have to create like a metric of yeah, popularity and go back in time. And, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. We're not going to do that, obviously. But the point is that. You and I, who are striving to be objective sports fans, sports being like the lowest stakes thing that you can be subjective about, and it's like not really a problem mm. type of thing sure. where people actually have passions about it. And still, this thing from like eight years ago, we're digging our heels in. And it's really interesting within the context of this conversation because objectivity applies to much larger things as well, like politics and, you know, world events. I, I, but I think you're, you're missing something when you say it that way, okay. right? Because the disagreement that we have is actually not about Isaiah Thomas and Damian Lillard, right? What's the it disagreement about? we're having is you're saying you don't know how to figure something like this out, and I do. And I'm saying, yes, I do. You're wrong. So we're actually disagreeing about ourselves, not about these particular players, ultimately, right? You're saying your methodology okay. is, is faulty and shitty, and you're a fool for thinking that way. And I'm like, fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> okay, so it's just an argument right? then. Yeah, so it's, it's just, just like, argument. but like, it's like, but like, we're really arguing about our who we are and and how we decide things and how we determine things. That's the actual argument, I think. Which which would speak to, and we're both kind of claiming to be more objective than the other person, I suppose. Within that, well, yeah, I, yeah. you accuse me of the only reason why I could ever have said that is because I'm the worst Boston homer, and I said. But you live in Portland and you're a huge Lillard fan and you don't have any information about the other thing. Aren't you the homer? And I was told I was a fool. <laughs> We're both homers and you are a fool. Um, and, you know, it's sports is just like the base layer of this. And it's interesting how the mm -hmm. like the thing from six years ago or eight years ago or whatever still creates passionate responses. Like, I really try to be objective in politics because I think it's really important. But it's so hard sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you ever? Yeah, absolutely. You try. You try to be objective in politics. I believe that as well. I, I'm sure I fail. I know I fail. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so that really sucks. Like, is there any hope for humanity to become more objective? Is there any path forward to that, or is it just going to become less and less objective and more like team-based bullshit? No, it, absolutely. There's paths forward. So we have a good friend who is 
uh, I'm not very political anyway, even though I have a master's in politics. And uh, but I'm not very political. I would I don't think. Uh, you don't describe yourself. You mean betting on elections is not political? I guess no, but, definitely not. I, um, you, I mean, you I care, care. About, I care. No, I care. But I'm. Yeah. But no, I just. I guess I just hate everyone. <laughs> Pretty much, not everyone. I hate most. Sure. Most of the options available. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. But anyway, my point is this. So I am definitely like left leaning for sure of the two ways you could lean. And yeah. I have a friend who is I would I would argue at least a little right leaning. He's a good friend of ours, and he's reasonable and fair and not ridiculous. But at times he'll say something, and I'll be like, "You're insane!" Blah blah blah. And the great thing is, we know each other. First of all, we're willing to admit we're wrong to each other, and we're willing both to actually try and look up and find out what the truth is, and then say one guy's right and one guy's wrong. You know, and so as a result, we both learn stuff when you know he accuses me of something. Not really accuses me, but he'll say something about I don't know someone on the left. AOC or something. I don't know. And whatever. I'll say something about someone on the right. And then, or I'll say like, when they push that old guy down, he's like, they didn't really push him down. They barely touched him. Like, let's look at the video. And then we do. And then we actually see what happened. And we're both reasonable enough. We're not trying to win the conversation. We're actually trying to figure out what's real. Cause we both sort because actually usually what I say is, have you watched the video recently? He says, no, have you? And I say, no, I'm like, all right, let's go. look. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we, we pretty quickly realized that we're both Kind of full of maybe a little bit of bullshit, you know, because we both saw a thing, made a decision about it, and have just been holding on to that decision ever since, which is what I think people do. So if you have people in your life where you're – I think it starts with being okay with losing an argument, like not having to be right about everything I think is a big part of it, right? Because if you have to be right about everything, you're never going to be open to anybody else's side of stuff. But Yeah, that's tough. That's tough for me. I I do struggle with that. Mm. Uh, Yeah. You know, I have like – the need to be the smartest guy in the room a little bit sometimes. And uh, I don't think it really comes out in a way that's like, I'm forcing myself into conversations and stuff, but it's a unwillingness to bend to somebody who doesn't have obvious authority on the subject beyond mine, I guess, Mm. which maybe I should be more open to opinions of my peers rather than just the opinions of my betters when it comes to, you know, subjects where I'm not an expert. So So. I used to always be someone who tried to win the conversation uh, for years and years and years. And I had a friend who was like that, too. And we we get into these long debates and they were impossible debates because no one would ever back down on anything. Right. And then I had another friend um, who, you know, also a good friend of mine who I remember this is like 25 years ago, 28 years ago, something like that. We were standing. We went bowling. And we, as we left the bowling alley, Siskel and Ebert were both still alive back then. I believe they are both now dead, but they were both alive. Siskel and Ebert, the movie reviewers, of course. Um, and Ebert, famously overweight. Siskel, famously kind of rail thin. I think they were about the same age. And we got into a big debate about how likely it was that Ebert was going to die before Siskel because Ebert was fat, right? And my friend was saying that for sure Ebert was going to die first. I'm like, well, of course he's a little bit more likely, but he's not that much more likely. It isn't like they're just individuals, you know, like it isn't like, it isn't, it isn't a guarantee or anything. And my friend was sort of acting like it was. Anyway, we got in this like hour long debate outside this bowling alley. And this crazy thing happened where he would, I'd make a really good point and he would say, he would stop and he'd really think of it and he'd say, yeah, I see that. Okay. And he'd take that in and he'd no longer debate that point with me anymore. He completely concede that point. And if there were other points, then he'd go back to those. And 
it was really interesting. And I remember being like amazed that someone would do that because I had never seen really anyone do that, that I respected anyway, you know, where, and, um, and it, it inspired me in the middle of the conversation to start doing that too. When I thought he made good points instead of just never backing down off mine, even when I thought I was losing, you know, like, or changing the subject quickly. So that way we, I didn't lose the point, you know, just like own that I lost that point and maybe the whole conversation even, you know, cause it, and it, it changed the way we started, it changed the way I started having conversations with him and then with other people too, where I actually was having conversations now to like understand things better instead of win and be right. You know, I'm not yeah, saying that's a hundred percent of the time, but it really changed my whole, my whole way of doing stuff. That's obviously way better. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people are trying to win conversations or are not really listening to what other people are saying. They just want to say whatever they want to say. And are then kind of hear the Charlie Brown parent voice for a couple minutes until it's their turn mm -hmm. to talk again. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit different than trying to win the conversation, but it's definitely uh epidemic in conversations throughout the world. And it probably got worse uh, from COVID, you know, from people being separated for a while and not interacting Maybe. as much. Maybe that's healed by now because mostly things have been back to normal for a couple of years, but I think there are some lasting effects regarding that. Speaking of, freaking objectivity covid was a serious minefield of lack of objectivity like from yeah all sides all sides considered no doubt it's it, it's you know i we don't like to delve into politics so the thing is that's so interesting is that this somehow became political right like when covid first hit you remember do you remember the first couple days when covid was like a very serious threat and everybody was like oh shit we might actually have to change the way we're living for a while and this is going to be mm -hmm. rough um i had no maybe i was just being ignorant but i had no real sense that it was going to be so quickly politicized and taken up as like a political torch by multiple sides i had, I had no sense of that did you have a sense of that when it was happening well we thought it was only going to be for a few weeks at first right so then which was i don't think just it would have like, been politicized if it was only two or three weeks by the way us thinking it was only going to be for a few weeks was a completely non-objective thing as well we were we were hopeful we were just being hopeful but if you look at the history of pandemics at all that's just not a thing that's just mm -hmm. not a thing that happens you know we so. we thought we could all just sort of go inside let it pass let it die out and then we'd come back out it'd be like ebola ebola whatever um, you know, where you give give a bowl of 10 days, it dies out. You know, it can't live past 10 days if you if you um, cordon it off, basically. Right. So but it I was, was never yeah. it never reached pandemic levels. Uh, of course, whereas not. COVID already had. And yeah. I remember actually the way I was thinking about it at the time, because I really, really wanted it to go away. Of course, like everybody did. Nobody yeah. wanted that. So I was convincing myself with everything, like using everything that I saw to kind of agree with my my thought process that this is going to be okay it's going to go away soon enough like i i don't need to worry about this being a years-long thing it's just it's just going to be that way and I, I wasn't really open to the idea and even at the time i could feel it in myself i could feel myself thinking like you're probably wrong though right like in the back of my head i was like this is actually going to take a while right like you're probably wrong but i just like didn't want to let those thoughts seep in i wouldn't let mm. myself be objective about it did you mm. have any of that at the time um, I don't think so. For me, it was more, it's different. Like I sort of say to myself, how long can I do this for? <laughs> That's yeah. how long. So I, so I think I started with, I can do two weeks. Cool. So I'm doing this for two weeks. Great. And I got that behind in my head and got behind that. And then after the two weeks were up, it was very clear we were going to be in for a little longer. I remember saying, all right, 
I can do like four more weeks. So like six weeks total. No problem. And I don't sure. know if that's going to be the end of it, but like, that's reasonable. And like, that seems like by the time six weeks were up, it was like clearly now months. It looked like. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. I can do months. But I think if we started with, this might be like a year, this might be like a year, year and change even depending, you know, um, that would have been very challenging for me, you know? And so like, I did it in ways that worked for me, like mental health wise, as much as anything else, you know? And it was just like, what, what can I stomach? And that's what I'm going to tell myself. Um, so I wasn't interested really, I guess, in being objective. I wasn't following it the way like you followed it either. And a lot of other people thought I don't follow the news that closely usually because I don't think there's a lot of value in it for the most part. Um, well, I, I agree. And I, I yeah. try not to follow most news if I can avoid it. But I felt like it was kind of important at the time to try to figure out like how I was supposed to live, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it's not like my values and shit, but, you know, like as far as safety was concerned. I mean, I was sure. Yeah. My, I mean, of course, I was bleaching my groceries. There was I bleached produce That's... at least once. At least once I bleached produce. Wild. Yeah, because, I remember. I remember. Like, I had no idea what was going on about. Yeah, you were doing. And I was like, that seems like a lot to me. That seems like more than I'm ever willing to do. I mean, I would. I think there was one time I like brought the groceries in in the beginning. And like, I don't I think I may have like just let them sit for a while <laughs> or something before I like just started eating things right away. I think that's like the closest I got to. Anything with with the groceries, so I yeah. was like, it should be fine. Come on. I read an article in like speaking of the news in early COVID. I read an article in early April 2020, so pretty soon after it hit in the U.S. Yeah, that was like, if you were considering having a child, you should wait because we don't know what the hospitals are going to be like, and it could be really like a oh. bad idea that you might end up having to have a home birth and all this stuff and right. like have no support. And then one day later, my my wife told me she was pregnant. <laughs> because we, we had been trying to have a child before reading that article. We read that article together. We like both saw it and we're like, maybe we should like take a pause on yeah. this trying thing. And then it was like, oh, I guess we're going to hope it's going to work out. <laughs> it did work out. It was fine. We could go yeah. to the hospital. It was fine. December 2020 fine. birth. It was fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get a little bit more political with it, but I promise okay. it's not going to be that bad. The whole COVID origin thing is just like a lesson in lack of objectivity from the general public at large. I think there were a few people who were being objective, the people who really knew what they were talking about. Um, I never really dove into the origin thing that much, I'm happy to say. But mm -hmm. things were so ridiculous from both sides. And I'm going to focus on the left side because, you, as you said, you're left-leaning. I'm left-leaning as well. Yeah. And I was always a little bit disappointed with the lack of objectivity and the coverage from left-leaning news sites and the lack of objectivity in the rhetoric from left-leaning people online in general about the idea that the lab leak theory was possible that right. like if you at all even say like like you're an accomplished scientist who, who who studies epidemics and you're like the lab leak theory is possible i give it like a 20 percent chance of being true then there was a there was a period of time where cnn and everybody on the left was like you're fucking out of the tribe Bye. Like, you're deal. obviously yeah. you've been you've been radicalized. Yeah. Go join the Trump army, you piece of shit. And that was amazing to me and absurd. Like, I can't I believe what we happened, went through that with that lack of objectivity. I mean, I think both sides in the U.S. anyway, on the, of the political spectrum, accuse each other of doing the things that they themselves are doing. And so the left accuses the right of being um, 
a little bit ridiculous and not open to things and all that. And yet they themselves are often doing the very things that they are accusing the right of. I think it goes both ways yeah. to be clear. Sure. Um, but, and then like, so then the best thing you could say about the left is if, and this is like a very unobjective way of saying, it, well, the left does it less is the best I can do, you know? Yeah. And like, that's not really that great. That's not a very, you can't really put that on a flag and wave it around. That's not a good banner. The fly is we do it a little less than they do it. Yay. And if that's even true, like my perception is that's true, but I'm, I'm unobjective about it. So what do I know? Right. Right. It's so hard to be uh, objective. And I think the reason that happened likely is because of the perception from the left. And this is my perception as well, that that the right typically does not trust in science as much as, as the left sure. and would would dismiss science just for the sake of convenience or an agenda more likely than the left would. But. That then the left dismissed the lab leak theory immediately because the right latched onto it because it right to be fair did support the right's agenda of being like blaming China and being anti Chinese government and all that stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean it can't be true. Also, that doesn't mean it can't <laughs> be true. Like, there's no yeah. reason to think that there's a lab in the place that the outbreak started that researches the very disease that caused the outbreak and that that lab could not possibly have started the disease. Like right. that that's ab absurd. It would have been great if the left, the science part of the left, which is like most of the science is on the left, right? Most yeah. of the scientists are there. If they had said something like, we don't know exactly, clearly there's a reasonable percentage chance this started in a lab, but as of right now, we think it's more likely maybe it's something else. But, you know, instead of dismissing it outright and saying like, yeah, you must be brainwashed if you say that, you know, it, it could have been like, yeah, sure. There's like a 40% chance to start in a lab and like a 60% chance it didn't. If indeed that's the numbers they were thinking at the time. I have right? no idea what the numbers are. We still don't know of Me course either. how it started. And I don't think that we will ever know. And I certainly don't know. I'm not a fucking scientist, but a lot of internet commentators certainly thought they knew more than scientists at the time. I mean, I think that what happens is like, yeah, the, the right is saying it's a lab leak and then the left is concerned that's going to create, you know, Asian hate and maybe like, you know, gin up some war type stuff going on and we don't want any of that. And so we're going to say the thing that, you know, makes it, you know, trying to dispels that regardless of what may or may not be true. Similar, by the way, to when um, COVID first started and the um, CDC was saying, like, oh, no, no, no. Ma only doctors need masks. Right. It's fine. Right. Because they're like, yeah, kind of everyone does, but the doctors need it more. So and we're worried about right. shortages. So we're just going to say this for now. I've, like, I've always been fuck, so man? disappointed in that. The WHO did that, too. I I've been so disappointed in that since that happened because it was such a short term thing. I get what they were doing. They thought they were doing a good thing by doing that, but they didn't think about the metagame, as we would say in poker. They didn't think about how the trust would be eroded in the institutions based on that type of or behavior. they didn't care. Or they didn't yeah. care yeah, because they think it's like more important. But the fact is, I'm not saying this would have been perfect. It wouldn't have been. It probably would have been a little bit worse for a while. But if they had said some version of like, everyone needs to wear a mask, but please only buy one right now for yourself and reuse it or clean it or something like that because the doctors need it more because they're treating all these people. And maybe you can use other kinds of materials you can use to make your own. And it's not, you know, I'm sure there would have been less PPE available for hospital staff for a while, but maybe we'd have less erosion of trust in our institutions than we currently have, because that was a big one. That was a really big one. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think that's a little bit different than the whole like lab leak theory pile on mm -hmm. that being right wing because, but I, I see where you're saying the motives could be the same from like the top level of whoever is the, the thought leaders who created this yeah. idea that if you 
said any percentage of the lab leak theory could be true that you were some sort of radicalized right winger. I could see them trying to dispel that because they're like, well, we're already having a really big problem with bigotry against Asians based on COVID. And we're having a problem with like Chinese government relations. So we need to do something to, to stop that. But that was probably the wrong way to do it. If, if there in fact was some sort of cabal that orchestrated that general feeling that permeated the, the left at the time, I'm not sure. I think one of the, one of the things that happens too is um, both sides end up saying things with certainty when there often just isn't certainty. So right. like, the right is saying there, it was a lab leak. And then the left doesn't want to say, well, maybe it was, because then that makes them feel or look wishy-washy or give you know, some credence to this other theory that they don't want to credence to, even though if they stop and think about it even for a second, yeah, sure, maybe it was. Of course, maybe it was. Like, who the fuck knows? Um, of course, it's possible. Maybe more likely than not. I'm not, again, as you're saying, I'm not certainly haven't spent a lot of time figuring this out and don't want to. Um, but yeah, like this this level of like needing to say absolute kind of statements rather than um, probability based statements like, you know, this is more likely than not. You know, people don't like to hear that as much. People want the more absolute declarations. But the right. truth is, that's the reason why not the only reason. but This is one of the reasons why we're in the state we're in in terms of the massive lack of trust, trust in institutions, because institutions often will make these declarations of fact that have been proven to be not true. Not the right. only reason, and of I, course, but I even I like I gen, generally respect the New York Times, but there are times when like this was one of those things that they failed on because I remember reading articles in the New York Times at the time that made it seem like you were being ridiculous if you thought the lab leak theory was a possibility. Right. And then they had kind of a mea culpa article about six months ago that came out, which with a lot of quotes from a lot of scientists, some of whom had been really harmed in their careers for for saying things like that the lab leak theory could be true. And even ones who said like, even scientists were like, yeah, I think the wet market theory is is the most likely thing, but there's still a chance that the lab leak theory and that that guy got like kicked out of his whole situation that he was in with his just peer group. I don't remember exactly what it was. And there was like a long New York Times article just basically saying like, yeah, at this point, we don't know. We never really will know. The, it could be the wet market. It could be the lab. It could be something else. We'll never know. Here's the first ever objective article we've written on the subject, you know? It's kind of odd. Not that long ago, the uh, right after the Hamas Israel whole thing started up again. Oh God, we're going this far. We're going this it's far into politics. Okay. It's okay. going to be okay. Um, the Wall Street Journal printed an article based on a study by a, um, I believe it's Chainalysis, which is a blockchain firm, blockchain research firm, and the Wall Street Journal said in the article that Hamas may have had, I think it was 140, up to, may have had $140 million worth of funding via crypto, right? Based on this okay. chain analysis yeah. research, right? Elizabeth Warren took that and in her speeches, instead of saying may, said they did. They were funded $140 million by crypto. Chainalysis, again, I'm pretty sure they were the firm. It's possible it was a different research firm, but it doesn't matter in this case. The research firm came out and said, you're all wrong. That's not what our findings was at all. In any way, that's, that's, we did not say that. What we said was that it's possible, I think the number was like a million dollars was funded, not like literally less than 1% of what they were saying, right? Um, the Wall Street Journal, I believe they still haven't issued a retraction. It's been over a month. Elizabeth Warren continues to say, not even May, continues to say, 
is funded was you know 140 million dollars was funded. continues to say these things um even as more the calls are getting a little bit louder and louder for these things but like it, it gets pretty nuts pretty fast you know and again like the wall street journal i would have thought was a kind of institution this i'm going i'm sort of rolling off your new york times point right that yeah. even though they're a little bit right-leaning i would think they would never get something this wrong and then stand by it you know but right they have and they did yeah so even the things that we're trusting to be objective are are typically not objective over time yeah you know it's just this a little bit rough this is something that apparently happens every 80 to 100 years it's part of a, a series of four cycles and this is the fourth cycle and in the fourth at the end of the fourth cycle um the public stops like in, trust institutions falters tremendously by the public and then something big happens and then either everything crumbles or it all gets it all comes back together and we're right at that stage it seems right about now it's been about i don't know about 100 years i guess since I'm the gonna great need depression a, and the roaring I'm gonna 20s need a bibliography I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a bibliography yeah no problem this. the the book the first book to read is called the fourth turning um, and that's the thing that first outlines, outlines this whole thing. And then the sequel is called The Fourth Turning is Here by one of the same authors. There were two authors of the first book. They wrote the first book in the 80s, but predicting sort of these things would be happening right around now. And then this guy, well, only one of the authors is still alive. And that author now wrote the second book, The Fourth Turning is Here, because it's about how this, here we are, the trust institutions is failing, just, just as we predicted, just as always happens in these, around these stages. Well... That's, I mean, when the institutions that you're trusting to be objective, like who is objective anymore if we're looking at institutions? There, there is not really anything anymore. And I think it is different than it once was. There's actually, so you know who Tim Urban is? Um, I do. He, the four hour work week. No, that's a different person. That's oh, Tim wait, Ferris. but why? Wait, but why? Yeah, yeah Tim Close Urban from wait, from wait, but why? Who? He wrote the like seminal article on AI 10 years ago before AI was sure. really blowing up. Um, he has a book that I'm trying to read. He's usually a fun writer, but I'm, it, it's like eating my medicine to read this book. But it's all about this type of thing, this type like how we ended up in such a divisive place and how objectivity has died. And it, a lot of it has to do with the incentives of news media, right, where it used to be that like being the most objective and the most like uh, fair to all sides was the way to get the most viewers before the 24 hour news cycle, before CNN mm. kind of disrupted the whole thing. And it has changed to be like draw on people's primal instincts and tribalism. And that will get you the most views and clicks that that is going to be yeah. much more effective than being Walter Cronkite and never revealing to the public what your political ideologies are, because it's important that you stay neutral at all times because the mm -hmm. public has to trust you as the stalwart figure of fairness and objectivity. And that's clearly way out the window from pretty much every news source. I know maybe not like NBC News Tonight or whatever, but nobody really watches that anymore, right? Do they? I mean, maybe... I, think, I, I think you could argue that the network news anchors are the closest thing to that, at least, right? Yeah. Where they're still attempting to maintain at least a facade of objectivity um, on the political spectrum, as yeah. opposed to like, if you work for CNN, you're probably going to be at least a little bit left leaning. If you work for Fox, you're probably going to be at least a little bit right leaning. You know, this is like how it goes. Right. And it's hard. And the only way you get a job being left leaning and working at Fox is if you're the, you know, token left leaner who everyone knows is and they make fun of you.
Like that's the only way you get that job otherwise. And everyone knows it. Yeah. Now there are lots of newscasters on both of these networks who are pretending to be one way and don't really feel this way, but that's their job. Yeah. And so they, they do that for sure. Um, I know someone I'm close to someone who's a producer at Fox news. So I know this with, with, you know, a, a high level of certainty. Um, but I would also say that to some degree, it may be that, you know, we have less trust in institutions now. And certainly there is this in the last 15 years or so, the Internet, social media has made it way easier and cable news even. It's made it way easier for people to get the very thing they're looking for, which is a hit of dopamine and a little bit of the thing they want to hear versus what's actually happening. Um, yeah. But I wonder if things were actually so objective beforehand either. Like we have, we just have a view of the good old days being a particular way. And I think yeah. Walter Cronkite may have tried to be objective or perhaps all the stuff he was reading had real strong leans to them, but it was presented as objective and people bought it because there wasn't anyone telling them anything different and there wasn't anything else to compare it to. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it is a lot about the the way the media is presented to us. Like yeah. it was at the time of Walter Cronkite, it was, there were three channels, right? And it wasn't like you mm -hmm. had a bunch of choices to, to get your news from different places. So everybody got their news from the same place. And the pull of the market was to incentivize like neutrality and, and unbiasedness because you wanted to get everybody to, to watch your show. And that worked for a long time until CNN and then Fox news and all that shit. And now, now the incentives are totally different, and you just want to get people who agree with you in their echo chamber. And it's completely changed I mean, everything. The question is, is, are things different, or is it – I mean, clearly the, the media is different. But is the public different, I wonder, right? The public maybe always wanted the thing they're getting now, but just couldn't get it. I'm, I'm hypothesizing. Oh, for know? sure the public would have always gravitated towards the more primitive, tribal, like mm. our side is right – all of the media that's presented on our side is either biased towards our side or omits things that make our side look bad or the other side look good or downplays them. You know, yeah. that's that's much more like candy for the the intellect than like really taking your intellectual medicine and being like, OK, let's take a look at this issue. It has multiple perspectives. We should think about this instead of just being like, you know what? I think Al Gore is probably a pedophile. Yeah, I think for sure. Al Gore, right. Al Gore is a pedophile. Like just random shit like that because it supports let, the narrative. Let me ask a slightly different question. How important is news at all? Hmm. There's gotta, it's gotta have some value, but it has a. I would argue it has a wildly outplaced. Like it's, it, it occupies such a big um, percentage of our attention compared to its value. Is my take. What do you agree with that, or do you have your own take? I, I do, and I think it might, it might be based on the same thing based on the same like narrowing of of the viewership of of each type of news because it it became a form of entertainment more than it had been before i think it was now i wasn't really alive for the walter cronkite years and stuff you were more around for that stuff but i think it was more like a necessity and a, a utility than it is now it was, it was more like this is the news that you should know if you care about what's going on in the world Whereas I mean now it's it was, now it's like a it's an entertainment vest like vessel. I right? mean, it was, but at the same point, I think it was also much more like the U.S. government at some point 
post-Vietnam really, figured out how to use the news media to its advantage, right? Mm. And then from then on, they were like, here's how we're going to present ourselves so we can get all the shit we want and we want the public to think these ways. And it worked really well for a very long time. I don't know if it still works, but it worked for decades, right? Like Vietnam, what, every day the news media would cover Vietnam and they would show the bodies coming home and everyone freaked out and eventually yeah. it brought down presidencies, right? We lost that war for sure. Like whatever. It was it was bad times. And the and the army and the government was like, never fucking again is this gonna happen. If when we go to war, we're gonna control the flow of information from here on out. And I cannot imagine that the US government learned that lesson and then didn't apply it to every other time they interacted with the media. Fair. That's fair. Um it's it's clearly more entertainment than it used to be though, right? Like the the way that it's produced. Um, sure, I guess so. I mean, there's, there's competition has changed it, right? Um, yeah. The fact that there's a million things vying for our attention versus, like you were saying, there's three networks and they all just have the news and that's it. And I don't know that the um, networks used to care that – they cared about the ratings, but not that much. Like when I was a kid growing up, there were the three big channels with the three networks and their news. This is before Fox even. And there were the three main anchors, and they just were the anchors. Like, it didn't matter who was first, second, or third. You weren't replacing any of those guys. They were the three guys, period. Yeah. Like, you know, there was no, no talk about the person in third place was in trouble. They were all trusted anchors, and that was what it was about, you know? At least that's what, that's what we were told it was about. That's what I yeah. believed it was about. I guess I don't really know what it was about, but that's, yeah, that, that's the deal, right? Yeah, so to be very clear, I don't think that, We've lost objectivity based on some sort of physiological change in humanity. It's it's more yeah. based on technology and the way society interacts with each other. And that makes it harder to seek objectivity. And maybe it was still very hard back in the day. And, you know, it's the whole the whole make America great again, rose colored glasses. Like it was somehow so great at one point. Maybe it really, sure. really wasn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some of that going on, too. Um, I, it's possible that now, instead of just being manipulated by one central voice, we're being manipulated as a species by hundreds or even thousands of voices. And so now we see the tribalism break up, you know, but before we were all manipulated in one way and now we're all being manipulated in all sorts of ways. So we disagree with each other a lot more. Sucks, man. I wish we could just disagree about sports. Let's just talk more about Isaiah Thomas and Damian Lillard. That's a safer place. <laughs> in I mean, my mind. I think. I think a lot of political disagreements actually at the heart is not too different than the conversation we had about Isaiah Thomas and Damian Lillard, though, which is saying yeah. ultimately a lot of the disagreements are saying, like, you aren't thinking enough and I'm thinking I'm smarter than you or I'm more informed than you. It's really the subtext, a lot of this, right? Um, you're, you're a fool and I'm not. Not the actual point, even. Not what they're right. really talking about. That It's really this other conversation that they're having. You don't know what's and, really going on and I know what's really going right. on. Right. And this is, yeah. this is why that thing I was talking about with our friend, where when we have our disagreements, we'll often stop and say, do you actually know what's going on? And I'll be like, not really. Do you? And it's like, no. And then we'll like figure it out. You know? Or sometimes one of us will say, sometimes he says, like, I saw the thing yesterday. I'm like, oh, geez, you did? All right. Well, I, I, you probably know more about it than me then. I, I still want to see it. But okay. Like, I'm going to back down right away then because I haven't seen it in a month or, or whatever it is. You know, like but, being but willing to even go that far matters. But seeing something, I mean, it depends on what it is, also can be painted with the lens that you go into it with. And you could sure. see it in a completely different way than your friend in that spot. You could. But if you're willing to 
if you respect the other person rather than if the conversation isn't you're a fucking idiot, but instead like I don't understand why you see things this way. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. That's yeah. a different place to come from. Um, then it's easier to a understand why they do and b for either you guys to meet in the middle or for one person to actually swing over to the other side even because because if you don't feel respected then all these conversations are really about that yeah i guess so i mean that's that's huge stuff that we can't really fix is is there hope for you and I to become more objective? Can, is there any sort of daily practice that we can do where we can be more objective in our daily life? Like just about the things I mean, that we're experiencing and doing, like maybe I didn't buy the best bread in the store. Maybe I should rethink which bread I bought at the store and I not just assume that the one that I chose is the best, like that type of thing. I mean, it's all I can say is I could say, I could give you advice better than I could give myself advice on this kind of a thing. Right. For sure. Not surprisingly. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say like my, my general advice to you, if you were trying to do this would be some version of you are, I would say kind of always sure that whatever you've already done or decided has got to be the best possible choice uh, or the best possible decision that that's, that's where you, that's where you start from. So then it's often hard for you to ever be moved off that point. Kind oh, of no grant matter therapy. what. It's grant therapy now. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, no, that's I something think, I'm aware I of. I think you're probably right. I can't think of exact examples, but I think you're probably right. I feel I feel yeah. that in myself sometimes, that pull, similar to early the early COVID thing where I would, like, just tell myself, yeah, it's going to be two weeks or whatever, and I can support it by reading, like, these specific things that lead me to believe that it's two weeks, even though in the back of my head, I really, my real thought is, like, it can't really be two weeks, right? It's really not. It can't really be that. It can't be that easy. So I, it's not the same as that, but I think a similar little voice is in my head sometimes. And, and I think I've felt that in moments, mm -hmm. but I just can't remember what they are. Uh, yeah. Do you have an example? Go ahead. Embarrass me. I don't care. Oh, I mean, I was going to go in a different direction. I was going to talk about myself. Um, oh, okay. So like, I feel like when I, when it, there are times when you'll say things with such certainty and I hear them as dismissive. They may not always be, but I hear them that way. And then I feel like slightly disrespected. And I notice that's when I don't care anymore about who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> that's when I care about <laughs> you, okay. you feeling like making you feel a little stupid. You know, so that's, that's when I'm, that's, now I'm interested. So you in. still have a little bit of that win the conversation in you. Well, once I, when I feel like disrespected, even to a small degree, whether I'm not saying you're even always doing it, but like if I feel that way, you know, like my perception of it is that that's where then I may ha I'm going to act from that other place. Um, I think mostly we, we have respect towards each other, but I don't think we always have full respect towards each other either, you know, and I, I think we both react to each other. What? I would never disrespect a conversational adversary. Well, not a worthy conversational adversary. There it is. Yeah. So that's all um, I would say. If we were going to talk about, if you want an example about you, um, in terms of like always sort of believing whatever path you're, whatever you've decided is definitely right. Now that I, the, now the that most, I made that little joke, now you're going to go for it. You <laughs> okay, said, you go. said, go, you said, go get yeah, it. Yeah, here's, go. here's one. Go, go, go. This is not a hard, this is not a bad one for you. You'll be fine with this. Um, like I said something to you about, oh, maybe I need to like play poker this way recently. And you said, oh, I really like how I'm playing poker right now. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I was aware that every time I've said anything to you in the last, at least 12 to 18 months of that nature about like 
improving or something like this. You've always said some version of, oh, I really love what I'm doing right now in poker. I really and I'm like, Grant always thinks he's playing his absolute best game no huh. matter and doesn't need to improve anything. Always he thinks that. And I was like, I don't know if there must have been a time when he didn't feel that way, but I'm not aware of it. You know, like, so there have been times that's sort of, felt... that's a bit of an example of that. What? Yeah, there's definitely been times when I felt like I wasn't playing my best poker. We are, for those who don't know somehow, mm. we are poker players. Our, yes. We, we come from a 10-year poker podcast. Um, Indeed. So, yeah. I do, I do have... level. It probably does affect my objectivity, but I think I do have outsized confidence. I think you do too. I think we're both victims of overconfidence, which kind of has served us well in life, though. It's interesting how that works. I think it may make us... Yeah. It may make us like aggressively incorrect from time to time, but <laughs> but I think overall has served. It's, it certainly served me well in mm-hmm. in my in my life. I think so. It's yeah, interesting I mean, how that can I, work. I definitely have done things I might not have otherwise done because of the confidence that I have. You know, um, I've been thrown into situations that I think a lot of people would refuse to be thrown into or just walk out of or something like that. And I just like, okay, let's let's do this, and I do a thing. And it hasn't always worked out, but I've had those things fail and those things succeed. And, you know, I get to have those successes and also even get to see that the failure isn't that big a deal. Like it's, it's not the end of the world. If you fail, as long as it doesn't people come to like, oh yeah, I can keep up with Alex Honnold on this rock face. I'll, I'll be fine. Right. I'm com- yes. Yeah. As long as it's not that. Yeah, as long, there's no physical danger. That's right. That's important. Yeah. No, no true consequence besides embarrassment or some, or humiliation or something like that. So what is something that you can do, Jonathan, in your daily life to be more objective? You got anything? Um, what can I do? It's not easy to come up with something for myself. You know, it really isn't. No, it's it's not. I mean, like the thing I've I've thought about this before for many years because I am disturbed by the polarization in the world. And so I've like tried like I've done like a week of reading like right wing news along with the New York Times. Uh, that must and have it been doesn't fun. it doesn't help. It really no. doesn't help. It's just like, no. oh wow, we're really in a shithole now, aren't we? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. this is not good. It's not working yeah, no, for me. Agreed, agreed. I mean, there was a time when I would um, try and look at the sources of things. So, like, mm-hmm. if there's a headline that felt like a thing that mattered, actually, this this would happen with Trump sometimes, where there'd be like you know, Google news would pop up something about Trump said a thing and it looks really bad in the court. And I'd actually go watch the video of him saying it. And I'd be like, Oh, it's not bad yeah. at all. Like, like I know they hate him, but like he was clearly being sarcastic there and like to act like he's saying it sincerely, which they did a lot, a lot of now, sometimes he would say these things sincerely too. And it was bad to be clear, but like he has a different tone of voice when he's being sarcastic and he sort of like looks and he's making a joke and everyone laughs, you know, and whatever. And like, um, that was very noticeable to me. Now, I haven't done that in a long time, I don't think. But that's that's the kind of thing. That's a good behavior anyway. Like, if you're going to take something on as if it's true that someone said a thing and there's video, you should mostly watch that video these days. That's, what I've that's a good because, point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Besides that, I could sort of memento style, like, get tattoos on my body to, like, when I wake up and it's like, you know, you know check your check the sources and then you like pull off your shirt and then there's a whole thing about like you know wash your armpits whatever um just so you don't forget yeah 
you know. Yeah, because if you don't armpits. wash your armpits, you might be you might be subjective and be like, you know what? I smell fine. I think I smell fine. I smell I good. I probably. Yeah, it's uh, you know what? I smell good. I mean, I actually think I am unobjective about my smell in a in a way that is not great for other people. So you know, there's something to that for me. <laughs> yeah, didn't you tell me that in college you just like wouldn't shower for a long time? I probably showered at most twice a week in college. Yeah. You should have done. You should have done more than that. <laughs> you should have showered more than that. You we know, live in a society. I man. did well. I did well. <laughs> we live in a society. You know. Yeah. The girls dated me anyway. It was fine. I don't understand how, but it was. It worked out fine somehow. I mean, it wasn't fine for the people who had to endure the smell. <laughs> yeah, they got used to it. I had a lot of friends. I don't know. I made it work. I can't explain yeah. it. I had a smelly friend in college. It was fine. Yeah, um, just, just but like, it's not it's not good. It's like a noticeable no, unpleasantness. No. I probably could have done a lot better in life if I was showering more often. <laughs> that's the real lesson here. Back in the day. Yeah, we all yeah. got somewhere together. All right. So everybody and stop listening to this everyone. podcast. Go take a shower and then be your best self. That's probably the best thing you can do today.